Welcome to the fifth episode of the Grassroots Government Podcast produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joining me are the folks who always uh, like to sit around in front of their computers in isolation and quarantine. Carl Wiggers, who is our producer and also uh, works over at the Louisiana Farm Bureau. Joe Mapes, who is the legislative specialist. That's a nice way of saying lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And Andy Brown, the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Bureau. And Joe, I'm going to start off with you like we do almost every week because we always have those local issues that come up. And in this case, we actually had the legislature go in and meet on Tuesday the 31st. Yes, Avery, we did. And that was a requirement due to the, the uh, process. Uh, that was the last day that we could file bills for this legislative session. It's the last day that we could move uh, those bills and the others that were already filed in on to second reading. Uh, it was interesting for me. I'd never experienced this. None of us had uh, in this situation. But it was it was an emergency. It was a, it was an unusual situation, and so it, it forced us to look at the rules. We were not required in the chambers to have a quorum to move these measures on to the next. So we so we had a skeleton crew, uh, socially distanced, you know, six feet apart everywhere. They had some legislators in the balcony, uh, as a matter of fact, and it, and it lasted about an hour and eight minutes, and uh, that's all they did. And they said before they came in that they were going to probably re, uh, uh, recess and then uh, extend the return date from the 31st. And we originally thought that they might extend it to April 13th to coincide with the governor's April 12th stay-at-home mandate. However, uh, you know that the governor moved that forward. So now where we are, is we're at the pleasure of the speaker and the president. They will determine uh, at an indeterminate, indeterminate point when we will go back into session, and it'll all be depend on the, you know, the virus. Hey, uh, Joe, of the people that were there the other day, who, um, I mean, were they all just, just legislators, or were they staffers? Were, or, I mean, were you there this past week? No, that's a good question. I was not there. There were staffers there. Uh, we went. Carl on, let's see, opened on the 9th. We went and had a meeting on the 10th. Uh, we had a meeting on the 11th in the Capitol, and we had a meeting on the 11th in the Capitol. That was the one with the horticulture uh, people and Ronnie and the two chairmen of the ag uh, department, uh, ag committees. And we were made to take our temperature going in the building. We're going to have just the money bills when we come back because we're going to run out of time and we're not going to deal with any of these controversial issues like tort reform and other things but 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 the bills the bu budget bills are controversial enough themselves i wonder how much trouble we're going to get in because due to lack of access to the capital to the process and we're all we're required to have these meetings available and open to the public but what if somebody were to say yeah the building's open but you can't compel me or mandate me to go in there i'm not going in there and since I can't go in there and my advocacy can't be heard and no influence for my group can be made, uh, this is unfair. So I don't know if any of that's going to occur or not, but there's always somebody. You know, when we went to pass the resolution to suspend the session because we wanted to save everybody's lives in Louisiana, we had one guy take the microphone in the House and oppose that and say, we should stay here and do our jobs. No, 
So with all of those protocols, with everything they've done, with having the reading of these bills, when does it look like, is it still open-ended? Did you say that it was an, it was an open-ended return for the legislature? Yeah, technically that's the truth. Uh, it's up to the discretion of the speaker and the president of the Senate, and they will work in conjunction, of course, with uh, healthcare officials and the governor. But it, there's, no, there's no known date. Matter of fact, I was on the conference call with the family physicians right before this one, and the call was put together to talk about a specific piece of legislation that was filed just the other day on the 31st when we were there. And one of the people immediately in the phone call said, why are we talking about this? We're not, he said, our group, they said, our group's not even talking about legislation because we don't think that legislation is real this year. And I tend to agree with, agree with that, except when it comes to our constitutional mandate to have a balanced budget for June, uh, July 1st when we start. We're required by the Constitution to have that. Don't ask me what happens if we don't meet that requirement. I don't know if the Constitution police are going to come in and drop the hammer on us, but I would say that we're in special times and uh, a, a, an extra birth is going to be given to such situations so that we can navigate them, you know, according to the new, the new normal that we have. Well, I know you've been speaking daily with uh, Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, and y'all been talking about things other than just COVID-19. Y'all have been speaking a little bit about hemp and uh, seed procurement, and we're now at the point where some folks uh, should be planting their hemp crops. That's true, and before I go on to talk about that, I want to say it's been comforting to talk to our commissioner every day. It's comforting to be a part of this group here. So all that being said, uh, you know, yes, we've been talking about other issues, uh, supply issues. He was telling me this morning that the milk supply is being threatened. It's not, it's not moving like it should be. He's telling me certainly, Andy, that the crawfish industry is in, you know, just uh, upheaval total. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, the four of us did. He was talking about foster farms initially laid off half of their employees and then went to two, uh, two thirds of their employees now. They can't process chickens. He tells me they're breaking eggs now, doing what they can do. Uh, but the food supply being interrupted is some, something that we've been talking about. We also, as you mentioned earlier, we've been talking about uh, hemp and hemp seeds. And, you know, there's, there's companies out there, one or two of them, that are promising the world. If you buy seeds from me, we will buy your crop back. You will be a millionaire. You'll make a million dollars an acre if you use the leaves to process for CBD. Well, guys, I'm going to come straight. And he said, morning, he said, farmers right now are pinching pennies. They're looking for a sure commodity. They're not looking for risks. And that comes straight from Mike Strain. And I got to tell you, I agree with him because there is no market. Okay. And we could go into the details, but the market's just not there for the farmer now. Therefore, in Louisiana and the, in the Louisiana, there are no processing plants. So there's no market, no processing plants. You're betting on the come in a big way if you go to grow hemp now. And, 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 and that's why we're cautioning people about don't buy this come to town, uh, promise the world, uh, you're going to be a millionaire if you grow hemp uh, mentality. And there's, there's at least one company out there doing that, guys. And we need to protect our farmers and let them know uh, they've got a really good sales pitch. It makes you feel real good, like you're going to grow a bunch of hemp and be successful. But here's, here's my big thing about hemp. And I know I pushed hard to get the hemp legislation passed. 
but that's all we needed to do. And then we knew it would be a gradual process, but it's an experiment. And it's an experiment because we haven't grown Hampton, Louisiana for over 80 years now. So if somebody comes along and tells you, I got the perfect seed, it's going to be perfect for your humidity. It's going to be perfect for the amount of arsenic in your soil. It's going to be perfect for your weather. Okay, they're full of baloney, okay, because they have no idea because we're not going to know until we grow and succeed and fail a few times. So I just want to caution every farmer out there, please listen to this. They got some people out there that would take advantage of you uh, right now. Uh, in regard to hemp, and we just need to be on our on our toes, and 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 not just for ourselves, but tell your neighbors, tell your farmers, to your your colleague farmers. It sounds like though, Joe, to me, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Would you agree with that? That that's the perfect uh, adage for this hemp seed uh, situation, Carl. Yes, hundred percent accurate. Well, I know right now commodity prices across the board are are lower. Uh, lower with the exception of wheat. Wheat's about the only one that uh, hasn't been hit too hard. I know the American Farm Bureau Federation put out a uh, press release about that this week. Andy, I'm going to turn to you on the national front. Um, I know some of our crawfish farmers and some of our cattle folks to try and make sure that if there's any money there, shore up these these, uh, commodities that are really taking a hit right now, uh, that that they are they are made that monies are made available to them. Yeah, Avery, there's a there's a lot going on. It's it's a it's a whole new world in Washington D.C. Uh, as far as activity and exploring options. Uh, a lot of a lot of my job, typically like Joe's, is playing defense and getting things out of the way. But um, you don't want to be in the situation. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, we we're going on the offense and trying to get creative and find measures and and get as many people included into these measures as we can uh so one a couple of the things that you touched on market wise the big news is with livestock so that's uh seen a huge downturn i think i heard 38 percent uh reduction rise since uh, all the the kind of breakout of of covid19 and that was on top of an investigation that's already going on with uh, Commodities Futures Trading Commission and USDA uh, looking into after the Tyson plant burned back last year, uh, what the market did there. So uh, from what I'm hearing out of D.C., that's kind of that that hasn't been completed. But now they're they're not full on saying they're doing an investigation, but they're still keeping a very close on what happened in our our cattle markets. Uh, but from a Farm Bureau perspective on that, uh, we're not in the business of investigations, but what we are investigating is, is this CARES Act. And we've talked about that on here quite a few times. Uh, it's come out for uh, over, I guess it's been about two weeks ago now, maybe, uh, that it was it was passed. And so um, here we are looking to see how to implement that. And that's gonna come down to Secretary Purdue's discretion and how to distribute nine and a half billion dollars. And so I think you'll see a lot of that go to our livestock market. It's the biggest farm-to-gate value of any commodity in the nation. So uh, they, they've got a big plea to, to pitch, and we'll see what comes of that for those guys. Andy, just to clarify, the CARES Act is what that the big $2 trillion supplemental you know package is right now, the relief package. Is that what that is? 
yeah, the coronavirus aid uh, relief, something like uh, economic stimulus, something like that. But yeah, that that's the total two trillion. There's some other pieces in that uh, that that Avery was alluding to, including some things with uh, uh, small business and and programs that they're putting out. Uh, just a shout out to our listeners. If you hadn't seen uh, Brian Bro, my colleague in the commodity department, put out a good piece. American Farm Bureau has put out some really good information on how to help you navigate uh, if you qualify for some of those assistance programs. They have different loans, different payroll protection to try and help uh, small businesses continue. I think of note, uh, some kind of caveats that we're working through with them that aren't too helpful for the ag industry. Some of it's based on receipts and what size of business you are. And as we all know, uh, just because a, a farm's over a million dollars in receipts, uh, they may have a whole lot of receipts they're paying out the back end for costs. So uh, what is defined as a small business or a business that needs relief is something that is kind of needing clarification. But then also a lot of these payroll programs, there's kind of two pots of money, uh, excuse the alphabet soup, but uh, triple P, payroll protection, uh, that, and then there's an EIDL, uh, emergency income disaster loan, something like that. Um, H2A, H2B folks don't qualify. So you can pay your domestic workers out of those funds. But if you have migrant workers, which a lot of our ag sector does, uh, you're, you're out of luck. So those people expect to be paid just like, uh, you know, the American citizen expects to be paid and, and have legal right to. So we're, we're trying to navigate those waters too. And Brian's doing a good job to, to try and tackle some of those issues with American Farm Bureau. And I know that's one of the big concerns right now is especially for our produce farmers, uh, their, their crop is just like crawfish. It's time sensitive. You've got to get it out of the field whenever it's ripe. You wait too long. You wait days longer and you're losing all of that crop. So uh, how are things looking as far as getting some, uh, some of the H2A labor to come in and also I mean, my wife brought this up after watching a, a report on CBS. You know, we've got all these these farm jobs that need to be filled, and we now have 6.6 .6 million Americans filing for unemployment. Why don't Why don't those folks go take those jobs? Well, if I had that answer for you, Avery, uh, I, I wouldn't be zooming with you right now because uh, there's plenty of workers in the U.S. that could uh, fill those jobs, but uh, a matter of will and want to and, and need. Uh, prohibit that from happening but I, I won't dive off too deep into that but what what I will say is that uh, like you mentioned produce and uh, our crawfish guys have a little different role and we're trying to articulate that to USDA and they know this they're you know they're Aggies like us but um, it, it's going to be a little different when you're proving to USDA where the losses are for for a strawberry grower or a crawfish grower you have to harvest now and this is your crop this is your year and so it's it's a little more cut and dry for the cattle market if you're a cow calf guy or a stocker guy well maybe could i hold on to these cattle a little longer and what does that do to my price and the market situation there is just totally different so uh, while i have a bachelor's degree in economics i've uh, i've left those theories long ago so i'm not gonna try and 
slice and dice that for you today. But uh, the, the main note that we want folks to know is that from beekeepers and their loss of retail sales to crawfish folks with no restaurants and caterers to produce folks without uh, workers showing up, there's, there's a lot of issues out there. But uh, the good news is, is that the supply chain, the, the farmers are working, man. They're out. The weather's been beautiful. Uh, seeds going in the ground. I think a lot of our rice crops planted. Uh, a lot of corn in the ground. I'm sure soybeans are coming coming in now. So uh, it's things are going. It's just a matter of navigating. I mean, you know, breaking down nine and a half billion dollars is one thing, but two trillion is. I, I don't count uh, that many zeros. This Mississippi education doesn't know numbers that big. So. Tell me a little bit about what farmers should do when they do get their labor, when they are able to get people to go out there and work. Um, what should they be doing to uh, to make sure that we spread the virus more to folks who, who are coming here to help us out? Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll give the disclaimer first to any of our non-farming listeners. Uh, farmers have PPE, personal protection, that they have to to follow and their employees are supposed to follow all the time. And a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's always a few bad apples with anything, but the vast majority of, of our guys know that and do a good job of that and get keeping their employees safe and protected as you can be in a physically labor intensive and large machinery industry. But, um, you know, for, for this virus scenario, um, we just are encouraging our, members and our farming uh, operations across the state to have a plan kind of just go that extra mile I know times are busy in planting season or harvest if you're crawfish or whatever you're doing that you know it's always busy on the farm but to take just a short minute to uh, socially distance your group up somehow or put up some posters send out some information uh, just just protect yourself, not just protect yourself from what the CDC is telling you to do to keep from getting the virus, but also to protect yourself from liability as an employer or uh, from uh, risk as an employee. You know, everybody plays a part. So we want to make sure that, that our folks understand that, that it, it, it can't not, just like Joe said in the state legislature, it, it can't be business as usual. That's not an option right now. So we need everybody to kind of go that extra mile to make sure they're they're covering all their bases. And I know American Farm Bureau Federation has put out some good information there as well. We've shared that through the Daily Voice uh, email as well. So if you if you haven't subscribed to Daily Voice and Grassroots Government news, e-newsletter, you should do that. Go to lafarmbureau.org or uh, visit the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture uh, com as well to go and sign up for each of those. And that way you can get that information in your inbox and subscast. I mean, get it, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or uh, I also include it in the Daily Voice. So if you want to listen to what we're saying, uh, you know, every week, um, if it's worth listening to, please subscribe and, you know, let us know what you think in the comments as well. We would really appreciate that. So, Andy, anything else on the national front that we need to cover before we call it quits? I know that Carl and I both already have um, some beverages here that are in uh, dark amber glass. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in the wrong department. I don't know what kind <laughs> of uh, hours y'all run up there in PR, but uh, it's work from home life, I guess. Uh, no. 
no worries uh, from me. But I will say uh, two things. One, uh, if, if my producer Carl could give me a little hot bulletin beep like they used to do on the radio. Insider's take for you here. I heard from my friends in Arkansas, a program that they're looking at starting that I think is super cool that I just think our listeners would enjoy hearing about is um, one of their congressmen came to Farm Bureau with an idea that uh, a lot of folks in the National Guard who get laid off uh, don't qualify for unemployment because they're technically still employed by the National Guard. But uh, what they've what they're looking at doing, and this this is just preliminary, so uh, keep it between us and the podcast. But uh, they're looking at trying to help uh, mitigate some of these losses from potential H2A, H2B workers not making it into the country. Uh, Avery, to your wife's point, there, there's folks out there that need jobs. And so uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau is going to look to try to bridge the gap between these National Guardsmen and men and women that uh, need a job and help them get the job arm. So I think that's pretty cool. But uh, the only thing left for me that I would ask uh, is kind of just, it's a specific thing. So it may not pertain to you, but we did send out a survey today of our crawfish producers. Uh, Y'all heard me talk about crawfish the last few weeks. Probably hear me talk about it some more because if it wasn't for Louisiana Farm Bureau and our crawfish committee stepping up to be the leaders for the crawfish industry, uh, they'd be kind of left out in the cold. So, um, we've sent out a survey today, uh, the Ag Center put together that's trying to quantify some of the losses in the crawfish industry. So if you see that, if you're a crawfish producer, you got good records, give it a, give it a fill out and send it back to us. Cause any of these programs I'm talking about, they don't just, uh, it's not going to be like the, the $1,500 stimulus check or, or what you're hearing on Facebook where a check's just going to show up in the mail. These farmers got to show real data. They got to show real injury to their bottom line. And so we're, we're working to get that data compiled and, and put some facts and figures behind what we're claiming. So to do that, we got to have some participation. So if anybody sees that in their inbox, please help us out. I know surveys aren't too fun, but uh, this one's quick and easy and we'll, we'll go a long way to help you and your fellow crawfish producer. Yeah, definitely. It's only, what, 10 minutes of your time to fill out a survey, and it might make the difference between someone staying in business and someone going out of business. So please go ahead and do that. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up for this edition of the Grassroots Government Podcast. And uh, Carl, I appreciate all your hard work as well. Uh, Andy, thanks for staying on top of things. Joe, I know we always let you wrap up with the catchphrase, but I know that you got a little bit you want to add before we head out. Oh, uh, I just wanted to say it was interesting. Sandy and I got a, a, a call from one of our clients yesterday who got an, uh, a, a, an order to furlough their uh, contract employees. We're a contract employee of that company. And uh, the person the a friend of ours. And they said, look, what I did is I, I worked on our budget. I restructured our budget. So we're able to keep you at half the rate. And so, and he was really upset about this. And I said, look, man, considering what's going on, I thought this call was going to be bye-bye, bye, Felicia, you know? So instead we're still on, I'm very grateful. But I was telling this story to my aunt and my aunt says, well, you're eligible for pay, uh, payroll protection program and she told me all about it. And so I went and looked it up guys. And there's a checklist says, you got to check this off. You, you check all these boxes you're eligible to be an applicant. One of the boxes is I am not a lobbying firm. And I gotta tell you, 
I felt discriminated against, you know, because I'm a small business. We're providing opportunity. And lobbying is what makes damn Congress run. And here they are telling us that we can't uh, keep employees and payroll and, and utilities going. Yeah, but Joe, half of nothing is still yes. nothing. So, <laughs> so if he's got to cut your budget in half, half of nothing still nothing. That's right. So. So, so I will close by saying this process that's going on right now with the virus and all this new normal and everything, uh, some of it's going to be used to drive people away from the process. People aren't going to want to be at the process. They're not going to want to be at the table. Well, we got to stay at the table because we're not at the table. We're on the menu.